Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, Episode 44. This is the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. This past December, I was invited to speak at the AIAS Forum uh, in Chicago. AIAS is the American Institute of Architecture Students and Forum is their national convention. And this year, yes, it was in Chicago in December. Yes, it was cold. And yes, we were snowed in for days. And while we waited for the airports to open, I had the opportunity to speak in length with many, many architecture students in attendance. And they asked me all sorts of questions, but the one concern that they had more than any other was how are they going to land their first job? And I shared my thoughts and I told them to, uh, to watch the website for more on the subject. And a few months back, after I came back, I posted a blog post. And today I'm going to do a, an, uh, a pod- podcast episode and... Uh, Fulfill my promise to the students at the American Institute of Architecture Students Forum 2013 in Chicago. Today I'm going to share my thoughts on landing your first job in architecture. So hang in there. I'll be right back.
This episode of the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast is brought to you by Entrepreneur Architect Academy. Entrepreneur Architect Academy is a community of like-minded entrepreneur architects seeking to take their small firms to greater success. Does that sound like you? You know, you're the average of the five people with whom you surround yourself, and this is an opportunity to be a part of a group of professionals who are determined to take their businesses, their lives, and their leadership to the next level. And class number two right now, class number two of Entrepreneur Architect Academy is enrolling and, uh, and seats are limited to only 20 members and those seats are filling up fast. So if you're interested in learning more uh, or if you're interested in uh, joining, go over to entrearchitect.com slash courses, get on the mailing list and watch your email for notifications on how to join Entrepreneur Architect Academy. So I graduated from Roger Williams University in Bristol, Rhode Island in 1993. That's 21 years ago. I cannot believe it's been that long. It seems like it's gone so fast, and I'm sure many of you can sympathize with that. And 1993, I entered the profession during an economic period, not unlike the environment that we're experiencing today. The, uh, the nation was slowly recovering from a recession, and architects were not eagerly seeking help from intern architects. And throughout the winter before graduating, I wrote over 100 cover letters and mailed them with my standard one-page resume to every architecture firm in the New York metropolitan area. And a few weeks later, the postman delivered an equal amount of rejection letters, politely announcing the cold, hard truth of this profession that we call architecture. There were hundreds of architecture students graduating that spring, and they were all competing for the same positions available in my region. I lived in New Jersey, and I was in the New York metropolitan region, and uh, there were a lot of architecture students looking for work. And I didn't know any architects, and every summer since my senior year in high school, I worked construction, uh, learning the trade close up and studying the psychology of the architect and contractor relationships. I grew up in a family of auto mechanics and tradesmen, and I knew well from my carpenter godfather, my actual godfather who was a carpenter, uh, that contractors did not really appreciate or respect the skills and talents of the architects with whom they worked. And there was a very clear disdain for the profession uh, involved in these jobs. And they were viewed as obstacles rather than team members, and I wanted to understand why. I certainly learned what I needed to know during those hot summers in the field, but having no experience in an architecture firm was a major disadvantage as I prepared for graduation. That first summer was not encouraging. With no available positions, I launched Plan B, and I started my own business, detailing cars. I set up shop at my dad's gas station, and I grew that business very quickly. The entrepreneur life was awesome. I had a full schedule, I set my own hours, and I made more money than I had ever made in my entire life. My career as an architect was just going to have to wait. Discouraged by my lack of success, I searched for a new way to approach these firms. I had plans for my life and I had goals to meet, and each day that I was not working in a firm meant that those goals were being delayed. And my goal of becoming licensed by the age 30 that wasn't going to happen. There had to be another way. 
More suited for an intern accountant, I ditched the cold and uninteresting resume, and I created something completely different. Combining the introduction of my cover letter, the list of experience from my resume, and reproductions from my school portfolio, I de developed a new document that read more like a brochure for my personal brand than a desperate plea for an unemployed architecture student. And I delivered my new quote-unquote marketing material personally to each of the local firms near my home, and each time I was stopped at the reception desk and greeted professionally. They accepted my package knowingly, and they dismissed me politely. I was not optimistic. A few weeks later, though, I received a call from the firm of Barry Postganger AIA, located not too far from home in Ridgewood, New Jersey. They requested a meeting, and later that week, I was working for a firm, measuring the existing conditions of over 300 condominium units recently converted from an abandoned brick masonry textile mill to condominiums. And it worked. I didn't know exactly how at the time, but my unique approach landed me that job. When Barry sorted through all the dozens of unsolicited requests for employment, my brochure stood out among all the other identical, stark-looking documents. Being unique got me noticed in this very noisy world of architecture internship. Today, graduates of architecture school have it even rougher than us kids back in the 90s. We're creeping out of this, the deepest recession since the Great Depression, and firms are still reeling in pain from the past half decade. Seats for internships are few and very far between. Firms' boards are filling up fast and with new projects, but they're slow to hire for any positions, hoping to recover from their financial losses. Interns are viewed as liabilities requiring time, attention, and training. The few positions available are being filled by experienced professionals who can sit down and get to work with little or no supervision. So what are you students out there supposed to do? How are you going to find a position and start your long journey towards licensure? Have no fear, there's hope, and you can be working towards your goals as soon as possible. I have 12 rules for landing your first job in architecture, and I'm going to go through them right now right now on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. So number one, my first rule, be known. In this very noisy world of instant access and social media, it is not easy to get noticed. Architects are being bombarded every day by emails and telephone calls from people seeking employment. Interns are not only competing with other interns, but experienced professionals desperate to feed their families. Who you know still matters, even in this overly connected world. Employers want to work with people who they know and they like and trust. And the first step in that equation is to be known. Connect with architects online through Facebook or Twitter. Network with professionals at AIA chapter meetings and local events. Be seen and let them know who you are. Share your plans and ask for advice. Build relationships online and in person. Position yourself to be the person that they know before the new position even becomes available. So rule number one is be known. Rule number two, be remarkable. When I created my hand-delivered brochure, everyone else was following the steps taught by their guidance counselors and mailing standard resumes to everyone they knew. My package was a purple cow. Seth Godin introduced that concept 
of being remarkable in one of my favorite books, The Purple Cow. Check it out. If you haven't read it, definitely read it. When traveling through the countryside, there are, will be farms flanking each side of the road, and you'll see many fields of cows. The first cow will be new and exciting, and you'll be all excited to see this new cow. You'll push your nose against the glass and to get a better view of the massive farm animal. But as you travel, you'll pass field after field, and after miles of seeing more and more cows, you lose interest. And the black and white spotted beasts begin to kind of blend into the bucolic hillsides. So imagine then when you see a purple cow, a deep, dark purple cow standing among the dozens of normal black and white cows. That would be amazing, right? You would want to stomp on your brakes, stop the car, get out to have a second look. You would take pictures and post them on Facebook and send texts to your friends that purple cow would stand out as remarkable. You would want to remark about it to all of your friends. You need to be a purple cow. Do something that no one else is doing. Be unique in your approach and your presentation and stand out among the hundreds of other students looking for work and be remarkable. So rule number two, be remarkable. Rule number three, be creative. In my opinion, resumes don't matter. You won't be hired because of the piece of paper listing your school you attended or the other firms in which you worked. Architects are receiving hundreds of resumes that look just like yours. And as good as you may think you are, or as good as you may look on paper, there's someone else that looks better. You are an architecture student, a proud member of the most creative people on Earth Club. Prove it. Use your imagination and develop a new approach to getting notice, noticed. Invent a new way to connect with architects. Present yourself in a way that has never been tried before. Architects are looking for people who can bring something new and innovative to their firms. Much like applying for architecture schools, firms are looking for creativity. So, rule number three, be creative. Rule number four, this is an important one, be respectful. Firm leaders are busier than ever. And with, with an increased workload and a decreased staff roster, they're wearing many more hats these days. Their time is limited and their attention is short. Be respectful when contacting firms and understand that any time that you are granted is a privilege. Let them know that you appreciate the opportunity to speak and thank them for spending just those few minutes of their limited time with you. Polite people with honed social skills and good manners stand out among the crowd. It's sort of a sad statement, but that's true. Polite people with honed social skills and good manners stand out. This one tip may get your foot in the door when everyone else is trying to knock it down. So number five, this is a very important one, but it's a very short one. Be nice. People like to be around nice people. Be nice. That's enough. Enough said. Be nice. So rule number six, be a resource. You have knowledge that others want. You have skills and talents that others seek. Share that knowledge with the world by building a blog or a website where architects and students can go and learn more about what you know. To many, an expert is anyone who knows more than they do. By becoming a resource, you become an expert and a demand for your services will soon follow. 
So number six, be a resource. So the number seven rule of how to land your first job in architecture, number seven is be trustworthy. Trust is one of the most important character traits you can have. Your integrity will speak louder than your resume. Build trust by connecting with professionals on and offline and becoming a resource. Ask the architects that you meet what you can do to help them. Don't ask them for a job or anything in return. Just simply ask, what can I do to help you? Then, this is important, do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. In every position I've had, whether it's swinging a hammer during the summer, making cars sparkle at my dad's shop, working as an intern, or even today when working for a young family to design them a new home, being a reliable, trustworthy person has led me to success every time. So number seven, be trustworthy. Number eight, be aggressive. Never underestimate the power of working your tail off. Push to learn what you need to know. Position yourself to meet the people you need to meet. Create the materials you need to set yourself apart from the others. Hard work does not go unnoticed. If everyone else is equal, the one who hustles the most wins. Number eight is be aggressive. So number nine is be responsive. Respond quickly to requests. You may be one of many who are approached for that same position when it opens up. The early bird gets the worm. Have you ever heard that? Answer calls or emails immediately upon receiving them. Schedule interviews at the convenience of the employer and as soon as possible. Follow directions too. If you're told to submit a letter of introduction with a required word count and a deadline, don't send double the words a day late and expect to be hired. Architects are looking for people who can do as they're directed. Show them that you can listen carefully and respond appropriately. So number nine is be responsive. Number 10, be flexible. When I was offered the job to measure hundreds of condominium units in the summer of 1999, and many of those condominium units were identical, so it was not a dream job, I jumped at the opportunity. I wasn't going to have much exposure to the firm's architects and I wasn't going to work on any interesting architecture. Design wasn't even involved in the job I was offered. In fact, I wasn't going to even be in the office at all. And after searching for a job for months, I took what I could get and I'm glad I did because that summer's work led me to a full-time job working with Barry directly. I took the job I could get did the work with enthusiasm and accuracy and landed the job that led to the rest of my life. So number 10, be flexible. Number 11, and we're getting here to the end of my 12 rules to how to land your first job. Number 11 is be confident. Confident is, you know, confidence is a, is a mantra that I constantly repeat to my kids. If they can be confident in who they are, they can do anything in life. So, Rule number 11 to you as well is be confident. You've already done the hard part. You've been through architecture school and you've met your demons and probably your share of unreasonable studio crits. You are prepared and you have done what you need to do. You are qualified and if you follow these rules, you'll be ready. Be confident and have faith that you will succeed. You will land the job that you're seeking. Be careful though. Be very, very careful. 
there's a fine line between confidence and conceit. No one wants to work with an overconfident know-it-all. And I hear a lot of overconfident know-it-alls coming out of architecture school. Sorry, but it's true. Conceit is corrosive. Confidence is captivating. There's a difference. So rule number 11, be confident. Number 12 and the final rule on how to land your first job in architecture, be brave. The profession of architecture is not easy. And searching for your first architecture job can be intimidating and overwhelming and at times depressing. Be brave. You can do it. And with these 12 12 rules that I just shared with you, you'll be armed with the knowledge you need to succeed. You'll be working in no time. You will be the one to land the job. So those are my 12 rules for how to land your first job in architecture. Let me go through them very quickly. Get out your notepads and pencils. Number one, be known. Number two, be remarkable. Number three, be creative. Number four, be respectful. Number five, be nice. Number six, be a resource. Number seven, be trustworthy. Number eight, be aggressive. Number nine, be responsive. Number 10, be flexible. Number 11, be confident. And number 12, be brave. Okay, so now I have some homework for you. I'm talking about architecture students. I figured I'd throw in some homework. And it's not just for the students, so listen up, architects. This is for you, too. Let's start with the architects. Let me know what you think. What advice can you share to architecture students coming out of architecture school looking for your first job? What are your rules for landing your first job in architecture? I want you to go over to the website. Go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 44 Share your thoughts in the comments. I want this to be a resource for anybody looking for any job, but especially for architecture students coming out of architecture school looking for their first job. So go over to entrearchitect.com, episode 44, and let these students know what you think uh, on what you think uh, your rules are for landing your first job in architecture. Okay, working interns who are not yet architects and are not no longer students, Working interns, please let me know what you think. Have you done something remarkable to get noticed? How did you land your first job? So you guys have recently come out of architecture school. Support your fellow interns and share your thoughts over at the blog. The more we all share, whether we're students or we're interns or professionals, the stronger this profession is going to become for all of us. So support, encourage one another, and we'll all succeed. So go over, share your thoughts, working interns. And architecture students, this whole podcast was for you. Um, Here's your chance to connect. Let me know what you think. Have you started your search yet? Where have you found the roadblocks to be? What can we, the entrepreneur architect community, do for you? How can we help you land your first job in architecture? So go over entrearchitect.com slash episode 44. Leave a question or a comment uh, and we will have a dialogue over there and try to help you out. Uh, and help you find your first job. And I wish you all the very best in your search for internship. So go out there, follow these 12 rules, and go kick some butt and get your first job in architecture.
So I hope you liked this episode of the Entrepreneur Architect podcast. If you do, head on over to iTunes, entrearchitect.com slash iTunes. We'll get you over there. Subscribe so you can get this downloaded directly to your iPod or iPad uh, whenever you, whenever I have a new episode every week. Um, leave a review and a rating. I would love that so other architects can also find us here and this thing can keep on trucking and we can keep on growing. So uh, I appreciate that. Before I go, I have one quick thought and it's sort of an unrelated topic to what I just shared, but, but equally may, and maybe even more important. You know, I talk all the time about how we independent small firm architects are going to become an influential force in the profession. And we're going to do that by joining together as a community and sharing what we know, encouraging one another and supporting one another when we need help. And well, before I go, I, I wanted to quickly let you know about one community member here uh, in the Entrepreneur Architect community that needs your help. You know, a few months back, I connected with a small firm architect named Rusty Long. Rusty's young son, I, th I think he's about 14 months right now, 14, 15 months old. His name is Matthew. And he was born with a disorder called OTC deficiency. It actually has a fancy medical term that I'm not going to be able to pronounce here on the, on the podcast, so I'm not going to try. So you can look up OTC defici deficiency in, uh, in Wikipedia. It tells you all about it. And Matthew needed a liver transplant in order to live a normal life. And after several false alarms over the past few months, this past week, Matthew finally received a new liver. So I've been following his progress, and I'm super happy to hear that. And I just wanted to mention that on the, uh, on the podcast. You know, as a father of three, I cannot imagine the heartbreak and stress and financial burden that Rusty and his wife have endured. I just wanted to mention Matthew here on the podcast in hopes that we might be able to spread the word throughout the entrepreneur architect community and maybe even beyond. So if you want to follow Matthew's progress or donate to a fund set up for Matthew's expenses, please visit healingmatthew.com. And they also have a Facebook page and a, a Twitter, uh, Twitter account, both very active, both uh, uh, Rusty and his wife uh, keep those things up to date. So everybody knows how Matthew's doing and Matthew is progressing well, but I'm sure that uh, a new liver is not inexpensive. So um, I just wanted to mention it here on the podcast because I think as a community, we will make a difference. And whether it's success or when one of us needs it, I think you know the tools that we have today, uh, can, can, we can use them for so many things. And this is an opportunity to help out a fellow architect who may need some support right now. R Rusty did not ask me to do this. Uh, this was just something I've been following, uh, Matthew's progress, and uh, I was going to record today, and I just saw Matthew uh, on Facebook before I started, and he was in my thoughts, and I just wanted to mention it here. So healingmatthew.com, go check it out, go, uh, go donate some money, and, uh, and support one of our fellow architects in the entrepreneur architect community. So that's it. Until next time, my name is Mark R. LePage. And I am an entrepreneur architect. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Have a great week.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.